Hey guys, welcome to Parenting with the Pastor's Kid, a weekly show to equip parents to restore their families and build a legacy of blessing for generations to come. My name is Brandon Gross, and my brothers and I are pastor's kids. Statistics show that nearly 50% of pastor's kids don't continue their walk with God as they become adults. What did my parents do differently? Join me as I answer your burning parenting questions to help restore your family. Let me share with you everything they taught us. Hey, what's up, guys? In this week's episode, we're going to be hearing from a very special guest, Riza Garcia. Riza has over 14 years of experience in the Department of Education. She's a big advocate for youth in the foster care system. She spearheads a nonprofit organization called Cauliflower Collective, a recent author of a book entitled Jesus and Jiu-Jitsu, A Mom and a Lover of Christ. Put on your seatbelt as we are so blessed this week to have on Riza Garcia. And so Riza, we are so excited to have you on this week's podcast episode. And with that being said, let's dive right in. So Riza, can you briefly share uh, what it was like growing up in your home? Uh, in other words, what was home life like for you and how were you raised? Sure. Um, so I have two wonderful parents. They have been married for 44 years. They wow. are high school sweethearts, and um, they both are. My dad's a Cuban immigrant, and my mom is a Colombian immigrant. So they grew up in Miami, and um, so it was just my sister and I in the house, and it was a very loving home. You know, our life was really just about our family, and you know, when I think back of my childhood, there was like no trauma, no like really hardship that like we went through as a family um really my parents just worked really hard to just provide my sister and I like the best education the best opportunities for us they were at all our sporting activities like piano recitals girl scouts all the things that we did they were just really all about our family um, I was raised in the Catholic Church, so we went to Mass every week and did the catechism class, um, and I did all the Catholic rites of passage, First Communion, Reconciliation, all of that, um, but, you know, when I think back to my childhood, that wasn't, I didn't ever feel a relationship with God. Um, it was so like God was out there and I was here and you just do these things and you just say these prayers, but it, it was never like a, a real connection formed. Um, mm -hmm. And so, and, and, and in our family, it was more of just like, okay, we go to mass on Sunday. It wasn't so much of like talking about the mm -hmm. Lord and talking about what God was doing and like, really, I was never encouraged to read the Bible for myself um, growing up. So it seemed more like a, a once a week event than a relationship that was promoted. Yeah, that's really kind of how it it was for me. And, and just like this ritual thing that you do. And, you know, I always believed in God, even, you know, I had definitely some very rebellious um, young adult years. But that belief that God exists was always there, but just never any kind of interaction or relationship with him. 
Mm-hmm. So you mentioned you had some rebellious years. Uh, what, um, if you don't mind sharing, uh, what do you think were some of the reasons that kind of led you down that path, um, you know, in, in relation to um, parenting or how you were raised? I think, um, you know, and I know I've listened to some of your podcasts, so I know like you're, you're talking about real things and, you know, um, that kids are going through and families are going through today. And, and some of it is still the same. I, I think about my teenage years, you know, I went to a, a very prestigious private school that was not, um, faith-based. So it's very progressive education and, I remember being in sixth grade, 11 years old, and having to do sex ed, and I'm putting condoms on bananas, 11 years old, and Uh being told to, you know, have safe sex, where I was like, what is sex, you know, and then the church, when I'm going to Catholicism school, is like, there's nuns telling me, don't ever have sex, because you're going to, you're, you'll sin. And like, I was just like, Oh my, it was a scary thing. Like, don't do it. Cause you'll be a sinner. And then my parents, they didn't really, that was one thing, you know, I mean, it was such a loving home. They really, all these things, but they didn't really talk to us about sex. Um, so it was kind of, and even I remember like, you know, scenes and movies coming on, that'd be a little risque and they're just like turning it off. Like it's this shameful thing, right? At home. Right. And then you have your friends who are teenagers who are like starting to have boyfriends and starting to have sex. So it's like all these mixed things. And like, I followed my friends in that you know, and it just kind of led down a pretty destructive path for years um, of thinking like, well, this is just what you're supposed to do, have a boyfriend and be sexually active and not really know, not knowing God's truth in it. And there's like a lot of heartbreak and suffering um, through, through all of that. Right. So I know that, um, You've taken our Healing Hearts uh, course back when we did it at TOW with MGMC. Yes. Um, And one of the focuses when we look back into the ways that we were parented wasn't always what happened to us, um, but also what didn't happen to us. And so um, it sounds like uh, in your case, uh, in this particular area of your life, it was more so, um, you know, what your parents didn't talk about in this case. Yeah, it really, you know, I don't, this is like an old movie, but I always think of the scene and actually that came up to in that Healing Hearts course of, because it really kind of got down to like purity and, um, and getting to the root of, of things in, in my sexual past. And um, I, that movie, um, Father of the Bride, where Steve Martin's like looking at his grown daughter saying she wants to get married but then she like transforms into like this cute little three-year-old you know and I I feel like my parents kind of always saw us as those little girls that were just cute little girls that you dress up and put the bows on and like protect 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 and um you know so didn't really have those conversations and and because like you know my parents are high school sweethearts and 
they never it was just like automatic like my dad was raised in a family where my grandfather you know the same marriage of my grandfather and grandmother you know so it's like right. you honor and love and respect the woman that you're with so it's almost like this natural thing in the home but like the world does not like that <laughs> you know right and so I just wasn't taught or equipped and you know being naive and oh, this boy likes me. Oh, he says he loves me, you know? And you just like, because in the home, it's just like automatically happens. Like, oh, they're honorable and respectful and all these things. And it just was not the case. Right. So it sounds like, I mean, you had, sounds like you had amazing parents in that, um, you know, they loved you. Um, What were some of the ways that they expressed that love? And the reason why I ask is because, um, you know, just kind of the thought came to mind when I was at an explicit conference. Um, one of the the ladies who was sharing, um, she was sharing about how um, in a season of her life, um, you know, she started to date somebody of the of the same sex and she kind of went down that path. And I just remember her saying, you know, the the longing in my heart was just that my my parents chased me. I was I was searching for love. And, um, you know, I, I just always wanted somebody to, to chase me. And here's this, this woman, you know, the same sex that's, that's chasing me and showing me love. And, you know, that kind of led me down that path. So Mm. I guess that, that just leads me to ask, um, what were some of the ways that your parents, um, did express their love for you growing up? I think that they, you know, they were really good at, um, just like quality time you know it's like very present with us even though they both worked and you know my dad they they both have had really successful careers my mom's been retired a while and my dad still works but um even though they're like great success in their career they all like I never you know I just remember them always being there you know like always on time to pick us up from the things always being present like helping the to coach and take the kids to this and that it was like and, and now that I'm a parent I'm like wow how did they do all that you know because sometimes it's right, really right. tiring and, and you really you get this whole another level of gratitude for you know the sacrifice and for them they really sacrifice like any personal life like I don't remember them like having much of a social life with friends or hobbies or things like that because it was really just about like working to provide but also being all about us and I remember you know it's fun I I'm reading like some of the books that my mom she would always read with us at night you know and read novels and chapter books to us and it's uh it's fun to now like right now RJ and I are reading the BFG and I remember my mom reading that to us, you know, and, um, no matter how, you know, now as a mom, I'm like, gosh, she must've been so tired. (laughs) You know, she worked all day, had two of us. And, um, and so I get it now. And so it was just really that quality time. And then, you know, even through my struggles in my teenage years and adult, young adult years, like, no matter the mistakes I've ever made, like my parents have always been there. They've just, mm-hmm. they've always been there. Always. It's so good. Yeah. They're, you know, they're sure they've gotten upset and disappointed in some of my decisions, but like they, whatever they 
instilled in me is like, no matter what, like they love me, no matter what decision I make or a bad choice I make, like they have always, always, always been there. So, you know, that's really kind of like the, the key I would say of like their successful parenting for my sister and I. Right. Right. Yeah. And in Genesis, the Bible talks about how, you know, God made male and female. He created us in his image and, and uh, I, I just uh, took a parenting class yesterday for my mom, who's running her parenting class. And um, one of the things that she was saying was God intended to reveal himself through mom and dad. Mm. And um, yeah, just that just warms my heart to hear that, you know, God was was revealing his grace for you through your parents. And that even though you did mess up, you know, they're always there for you. And so um and that's that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're amazing. So, um I guess that leads me to our next question, you know, I kind of want to connect the dots, I guess, cuz I know you have an incredible story, but um you know, backtracking a little bit to some of those rebellious years and then fast-forwarding a little bit to when you finally, you know, decided to accept Jesus into your heart and and kind of mm-hmm. follow him. Uh, what was your, what was kind of your backstory with that? Well, I think, so once I was out of the house and in college, um, because I never felt that connection, you know, with God growing up in the Catholic church, it was an instant like, oh, I'm on my own. I'm not going to church anymore. Um, and I, I am, unless I was visiting my parents and it's like Christmas or you know, Mother's Day or Easter, and my mom's like, we're going to church. I never went to church in my 20s. Mm. Um, I never did, like, the whole decade. And um, I was just kind of really living, like, worldly ways of, you know, I had started my teaching career, and I was super into it. Um, You know, the beginning of any career is like, of course, you're all in, and I mean, I remember 12-hour days were, like, normal um, in my first few years of teaching. And I had boyfriends. that I was living with boyfriends um, in my 20s and just, like, a good person, right, but didn't have any connection with God, didn't understand, like, living with a boyfriend, like, what that was what ramification that had like spiritually in my life um because i just didn't know you know and and it all it will eventually all catches up to you know like when when god's seeking you he's like he's not gonna quit and um i ended up marrying somebody that we just got married for like a whim of it for just fun there was no, um, I mean, all those, every marriage advice book, Christian or not, like all the things that they say to like talk about, like, oh, kids, finances, future, like we didn't do any of that. I mean, there was just, it was just like, oh, I love this person and we're, we have fun together. It's going to be an adventure. Um, and so pretty impulsive. Uh, and we got married and it just was not a good marriage. Um, you know, 
I'll just say we both weren't ready to be married. And um, there was, on his part, there was no faithfulness in our marriage. So I ended up getting pregnant. And um, yeah, the day that I, I told him I was pregnant was the day he asked me for a divorce. So it was pretty dark, dark times in my life. And, and because the marriage was already falling apart, I, you know, I know now looking back all these years later, like, oh, God was, he was pursuing me. He was like, like, Riza, like, you are trying to do this all on your own. This is really hard. This relationship is like, not working. And he was pursuing me. Um, but it got so dark at that moment. And I, I started just trying churches in Hawaii. Uh-huh. I, I like, it was the first time I was like 30 years old and I'm just like going to different churches. And, um, uh, you know, even though this, the situation was pretty bad, um, I, when I would go to church, I would start to feel some peace. It was like just some relief. And then you're just right back into like what the dark circumstance I was in. And, um, and then we found out at eight weeks that it was a high risk pregnancy. There was, um, a baby and a tumor that were like in my uterus. And so it it was, I went to Tripler and it was this young doctor. And I remember her just like acting like I was like this, like science experiment of, oh, wow, if, if this baby survives, we're going to have to take this baby out at 34 weeks, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it was just like, oh, this death. It was basically death spoken over the baby and, um, and the whole pregnancy. And, and then that was like, it was the end of my marriage too. So it was just really dark, heavy time. I ended up leaving Hawaii and I went back to my family and they took care of me. And, um, uh, my mom's best friend, who is a spiritual mentor to me today, she's led so many people to Christ. It's like her witness is incredible. Um, she started taking me to church in Jacksonville. And I, I remember at my 20 weeks, because it was a high-risk pregnancy, every week I would go for an ultrasound because they were just checking on both things growing. And so the mm-hmm. 20 weeks. The 20 weeks is the biggest one where you're like, um, you know, all the vitals of the baby and everything. And so the night before that, before that appointment, my mom's friend came over and she prayed for me. And it was the first night that I actually felt peace in my whole pregnancy. It was like, I knew that the Lord had just like answered that prayer that I was going to have a healthy baby, that I was going to survive this pregnancy. Um, you know, and then my prayer just totally switched for like a joyful baby because I was so sad. I was I was going to therapy five days a week. Um, you know, my family was just like taking care of me. And and yeah, we went to the appointment the next morning and the the tumor was gone. It was just wow. It was totally gone. And I remember, wow. the, I remember Incredible. the nurses. Right. I remember the nurses being like, oh, they were just like dumbfounded and then they went and they got the doctor and then they're just like, Oh, it's probably hormones, you know? And I was like, no, that's Jesus. Like he, 
he answered this prayer. So that was really the moment of me like totally surrendering my life to um, Jesus because, you know, he, he saved both of us. And and then the prayer did for a joyful baby. I mean, anybody who meets my son, they're like, that's like the happiest kid I've ever <laughs> encountered. You know, he's always like, got a smile on his face. He always, yeah. even when he's like sad, he's like still like able to like joke and laugh. And he just like brings joy everywhere he goes. And so just like like, you know, I'm like forever Jesus is girl from you know that was like the moment where like my whole life changed right that's such an incredible story and i just i want to thank you for for sharing that and um i think a lot of people can learn um you know from those dark times that god is calling us and he's constantly chasing us and he's a loving daddy he's a loving father that just wants to comfort us and and um you know he has the best planned out for us and so Wow. I'm, I'm just, that's a crazy story. Yeah. It's pretty wild for sure. You know, I, I, I'm just now just taken to like the prodigal son. Right. Um, and the way that story in the Bible where, you know, the son who has just like done everything like taken like all of his all of the dad's money and everything squandered it partied done made all these bad decisions and like here he is just loving him like how god loves us right and and really that's how my parents have always loved us and we made some terrible decisions as teenagers i mean sneaking out parties all the things the lies just like i mean we put my parents through hell as teenagers and even into the young adult years um and the hard times that we've gone through it's like my dad and mom they loved us just the way god loved us always unconditional um and the really like that story like the heart of the lord and the prodigal son like that is my parents like heart for us and i i think just their actions and really living it out even though we didn't necessarily talk about it growing up that right. was really um it's made i i you know you always want to like i think about my son and i'm like well i want him to have a better life than me right and so now it's like those actions like i i know it's very easy for me to love my child like that and now i'm also you know working on pouring into him spiritually like with with all the things that we do, you know, but yeah, I think just their unconditional love through all of our crazy things that we did to them. Well, yeah, I just, I I was feeling God's presence all over me as you're saying that, you know, and that's just, it's huge. You know, that's, Mm -hmm. that's so big, you know, and and just God's unconditional love for us, even when we mess up is just, it's, it's breathtaking. It's, it's incredible. (laughs) It really is. It really is. So um, I know that you're, you're a school teacher and that you're interacting with kids all the time and and you have a heart for the, for the youth and the next generation. Um, And being that you're around uh, kids a lot, um, what, uh, in what ways would you say that a lot of kids today are wounded by their parents or uh, what advice, I guess, would you give listeners to raising their children in a godly manner? Um, I guess really 
you know, right now I'm at the elementary level, but I've spent, you know, about 10 years with teenagers and middle school level. And I think the kids, it's just confusion, especially now in this digital world that we live in, because maybe it's just like lack of presence with parents, like really being present and helping them navigate through all this digital stuff because it it gets heavy. I mean, on the school side, you know, you see the kids who they're being bullied online. There's things said about them and like, you, you know, all the darkness that comes from, from the digital world. And there's great things coming from the digital world too. But I think that whole like parents really, kind of getting involved and helping them walk through it all and understand like the truth in it. Um, I think that's really a piece that is missing, but starting to, I know there's like a lot of push now for, for more of that education and like just educating parents on, on all these things so that, that they can help their kids because you know, they're developing, they're so vulnerable, they're, they're peer, you know, what, what, by the time they're in sixth and seventh grade, it's like everything their peers are saying and doing is like, really influential to them, you know, and, right, um, right. and, and for, and, and to me is like, even more, to, it's like that time for parents to really step up even more to be that like strong presence in their life. And so, you know, just making that quality time where there's no distractions and knowing that you're and giving your kid that opportunity to just like talk to you about anything that's going on um, in their life and where they can feel safe. Because that's the risk of like the dark side of all the digital stuff that's happening with the youth is like they just don't feel safe. Um, mm-hmm. And and putting those boundaries, you know, I mean, right now my son is seven. And so we just got him a switch uh, for the the video game thing. And it's like only on the TV. He doesn't like play handheld, you know. And so I know he's just playing his Minecraft and it's timed. He earns his minutes on the switch by reading. So however many minutes he reads is like the minutes he gets on the switch. And we just have those really strict boundaries. And I, I think that um, I hope that more parents will do that with their kids. Like, you're in charge. You're the authority. Like, they don't need to have their phone in their room with them all night. And then they're up right. all night. And then they come to school and they're sleeping on their desk. I mean, I've seen right. it for years. And bags under their eyes, you know, because they don't have that self-control. And so we as parents, we just need to take that authority and, and, and have those really strict boundaries and, and, you know, talk individually and as a family, what that looks like with technology. Right. Yeah. It's not just, you know, having strict boundaries, it's, it's healthy boundaries. It's being able to foresee and, and teach through experience what they don't know yet. Yes. Yeah. Um, awesome. Um, let's see here. So yeah, I guess my, my biggest takeaway from what you're just saying is that, um, you know, it's our job as parents to be proactive and to stay on top of, you know, what our kids are getting into, what they're listening to, what they're watching, what they're being influenced by and, and making sure that, um, 
you know, we're proactively trying to influence their walk uh, with God in a healthy way. And so what, um, what ways have you been able to be proactive in doing so with, uh, with RJ? Um, yeah, it's, it's really important. I mean, it's just exactly that's it, like proactive and prevention, right? Um, and especially my child who is so curious, he's very intelligent. He wants to know how everything works. He has so many God questions constantly. Um, and so answering them to the best of my ability, but then sometimes I'm just like, you know, I don't really know the answer to that. And just being really honest and transparent, you know, and, and telling him, you, like, sometimes, like, God doesn't reveal everything to us. And that's just part of the whole faith journey. So we, we talk about it a lot. Prayer is just a part of our life. Uh, we are plugged into our church. Uh, I serve at our church. And he, you know, I think that's really key and important that wherever you go to church that your kid likes to go like he loves to go to kids ministry at our church um he enjoys it and it's not like oh gosh here we have to go to church you know um i think that's really (laughs) important and then so finding so finding the right church that like fits your family needs and, and your kid like he's excited to learn about god he's excited to like he always shares with me what he learns at kids church, you know, we talk about it. Um, we do other kids cut type of ministries, you know, the TOW conferences. I love that they usually have like a kids track and just like this last one, the prophetic one, he loved going, he, he just got a kick out of the prophetic words that were spoken over him and the drawings and all the stuff that came back um, with him from that, you know, just plugging him into it. But I don't, because he is really, he's very smart. I don't, I try to make it, you know, I'm not like forcing it on him because, you know, he's my child. So I know that he's got that like rebel bent in him. Um, but just to just make it like part of our life. And, you know, sometimes when I mess up and I'll lose my patience with him and yell at him. And I remember one time recently I was so tired and he, my child talks a lot and I would, and he wouldn't stop. And I'm like, okay. And I said, shut up to him. And that was the first time I've ever told him to shut up. And he started crying and I felt terrible. I was like, wow, this is the day where I have pushed myself to my limits and I'm exhausted. And, um, you know, so I had to ask him for forgiveness and, and it was genuine. And I told him, you know, like, this is why mommy, like mommy needs Jesus because sometimes I get really tired and sometimes I lose my patience. And, you know, in the, in those moments where I'm like very genuine, like he gets it you know, and he's able to just like forgive me. And I think just like being so transparent about like, you know, we're none of us as parents, like we're none of us are perfect. We're trying to do the best we can for our children. But even in those like mistake times to just be honest. um, And and I know that that's like something's growing in him spiritually to be like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Because you just told me to shut up and you normally, you've never said that to me before, you know, like I, I need God right now. 
Right, right. But yeah, I know a lot of parents that try to hide mistakes or, you know, not share certain things. But um, I like what you're saying because it's it's seeing those mistakes as an opportunity to shape their character and also again just like what we're talking about revealing mm-hmm. jesus you know it's it you know you came right back to you know I'm, I'm not perfect but that's why we have perfect jesus you know and, and that's why our faith is rooted in him so exactly that was that was awesome and uh, one of the things that i i can kind of see that um correlates directly to us continuing our faith is actually having fun. Exactly. You know, I just remember, man, I had a lot of fun in youth in in youth group, and I I had fun learning about God and and um you know I I can imagine when kids turn eighteen and you know they're wondering which way to go. It's like, hey, if if all they think in their head was church was boring, I didn't meet anybody, and um you know they just view it as something that was you know, negative instead of something that was supposed to be a positive ex- experience in their life, that that can make a huge difference into whether or not they continue their faith. So I'm just, I'm so excited to hear that RJ's loving, you know, youth group and loving being at church. Cause to me that, that plays a big part in, um, you know, him just being rooted in his faith as he yeah, gets older. Totally. It's gotta be fun. And, and, you know, as we grow in our faith, yeah. like, you know, like God wants us to have fun. Like he does. It's like, he wants us to have fun he wants us to enjoy life, like have an abundant life. It's just like, it's, it's surrendered to him. So, you know, I think about the things that I find so fun and joyful. They're different than things that I found fun in my twenties, but man, the, the things now are just like real and it's peace and it's, you know, there's no like downside to it that would happen for some of the decisions that I would make before. Awesome. Orisa, thank you so much for sharing your heart and just your story and just being a blessing to all the listeners out there. Um, Before we wrap up today, were there any uh, final thoughts or maybe um, tips or pieces of advice or anything that you wanted to share with us? Um, You know, one thing I didn't really touch on because like in our story, we, we are, I'm a single mom and my my son, my son's father is very active in his life. And so, you know, some, I do minister to a lot of people who are kind of walking out breakups or divorce or how to, how to deal afterwards. And, um, you know, they look to us and our story as like hope. So, you know, even if you're going through something really challenging, you know, I always tell people, well, my son, my son's relationship with his father is has nothing to do with his father and I's relationship. You know, they're two totally separate things. So, you know, that's what God did for us as a family. Like he just healed things and restored bridges to build something new. Um, so that my son, he just knows he's got an amazing dad that loves and adores him. And his dad's his hero. And he has an awesome mom who loves and adores him and we get along great. And that's just something that we have even do, you know, we, we hadn't, of course, like divorce is, is terrible and it was really hard. Um, but we have committed to like, 
neither of us has, has ever, or our families or anybody in our child's life has ever said anything bad about the other parent, you know? And, um, so I just encourage any single parents out there, like God, God will do it. He will, he will take care of you. He will take care of your child. Even if you're walking this out as a single parent, um, and, you know, restore things, just stay faithful and just keep giving it to him. Like that, that's what I had to do for a while. Just like, keep giving it to the Lord, keep giving it to, to the, till we get yeah. to this point of like, all right, we're really great friends and we love our kid and him, like it's, it's about him and not about us. Right. Right. It's such a good reminder that our walk with Christ is, you know, we need to die to ourselves daily, yeah. <laughs> just giving it up to him every single yeah. day. And that can be a difficult thing to do, but yeah. thank you so much for sharing. Awesome. Well, yeah, again, Riza, thank you so much for being on today's call and just for sharing your heart. Um, if people want to know more um, about you or connect with you or learn more about um, your ministry and the way that you uh, share your heart for Christ uh, with the youth of today, um, is there a way that people can get in touch with you? Sure. Um, I am on Instagram. It's Riza, R-A-I-Z-A, Garcia, G-A-R-C-I-A-J-J. And uh, we are we are working on um, a mission called Cauliflower Collective, which is all about bringing uh, youth in foster care, adopted youth, and um, homeless young adults uh bringing them the gift of martial arts and building community with them. So check me out on Instagram and um, yeah, I can get connected to what we're doing with uh, the foster care youth. Hey guys, thank you so much for taking the time to listen in today. If you receive value from today's episode, I'd like to invite you to leave us a review and share this podcast channel with your friends and family. And if you want to learn more about how you can make a lasting impact as the head of your household, then I'd like to encourage you to pick up a free copy of my dad's book entitled Legacy of Blessing, How to Bring Out the Best in Your Family. Go to www.sabbathforeveryone.com and get your free copy today. God bless you and your ohana. Ohana means family, and family means nobody gets left behind.